Some of you who have uh, been around here for a while have, have heard me share this before, but uh, uh, there are some new people, so let me just share a little bit about myself, and it's not the best part of me, but it's something that I'm willing to admit. And this is about, you know, uh, when I'm out at a restaurant with, with my family or friends, I'm not the greatest at sharing food. This is something that my family knows about me, and some, some of you already know this. Um, and so if, for example, we go out for supper with uh, my family and Corley's uh, parents, the, the Lepkes, Corley's parents' name, they, they seem to have this tradition where everybody orders their food and then everybody's like, oh, I'd like to try that and some of what you have and some of what you have here. And I don't do that, okay? I don't like that. I protect my plate, my philosophy is you order what you want, and I'll order what I want, and no one gets hurt. That's my philosophy, okay? So um, I'm not the greatest at sharing food, at least in a restaurant context. So this morning, the message is going to be sort of self-convicting, because we're going to talk about sharing food, and we're going to talk about how that related to the Corinthians uh, especially. And then uh, we're going to share the bread and share the cup, and we're going to share food later. And so I'm looking forward to that. So if any of you try to take something off my plate later on today, I will try to be gracious to you. If you know anything about uh, the book of 1 Corinthians and what was going on in the church of Corinth, you will know that the, the, the church of Corinth, they had a lot going for them, but they also were making a lot of mistakes. They, they were goofing up a lot. And that, of course, is a big part of the reason that the Apostle Paul pulled out his pen and paper and wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians particularly uh, to this church because they were, they were missing it in a number of areas. And so, especially in this area of communion, the Lord's Supper, and it sounds a little strange, but I am actually grateful for the Corinthians' mistakes in the Lord's Supper because we have this incredible theology and this incredible practical advice given to the church because of their mistakes. In fact, if it weren't for their missteps in with regards to the Lord's Supper, actually, we wouldn't know anything about the early church, uh, their, their practice of the Lord's Supper. This is the place in the New Testament where we learn the most about that. So in a strange way, we're grateful for their missteps because we get to learn and glean so much. And so we want to look at what was going on in Corinth. So obviously there was a problem. If you were paying attention to the scripture reading, there's a problem in how they were eating the Lord's Supper together. So what was the problem? Uh, the core problem, uh, as we know from this text, is that there were divisions in the church. We know that much from verse 18. Paul makes that very clear. And the root of the divisions in the church seemed to be a, a, a cultural one, a cultural root. Particularly, there were divisions between the rich and the poor. And as you probably know, especially back in that day and age, there really wasn't a middle class. It was you were either wealthy, rich, well-off, or you were poor. And this division that was natural in society was being carried over into the church. And these divisions between the rich and the poor and divisions in the church were being reinforced in the actual Lord's Supper, in the meal. So this meal that should have been this uh, reinforcement of unity and community in the church actually ended up reinforcing division in the church. And that's what alarms Paul. And that's what, again, causes him to pull out his pen and address this specific subject. Uh, for the Corinthians. So what exactly was happening? Well, during that day and age, as you probably know, they didn't meet in church buildings like we have today. That came later in church history. In that day and age, they would meet in people's homes. 
uh, in whatever city that they happened to be in. And usually, if it was a larger crowd, 30, 40, 50 people in the church, it wouldn't have been a church this size, but a larger crowd, 30, 40, 50 people, they would meet in a home that was large enough to house that many people. That would be someone who was rich in that society, who had a big enough home. And so the believers were meeting together in homes, and they were eating a meal together, and they would celebrate the Lord's Supper within the context of this supper or lunch or whatever they were eating together. So they were eating this meal, and it would involve all sorts of different food and drink. And in the context of that meal, they would break bread together, and they would drink the cup together, and they would do what Jesus had called his followers to do, to do that in remembrance of them. And so that was fine. What the problem was, was how they were doing it, how they were conducting the meal. The problem was, is that some people did not have unity in mind as they ate this meal together. They ate this meal in a very individualistic mindset. So Paul says that some were just going ahead of others and just starting the meal and eating the food and not waiting for the rest to show up. And not only that, but when the rest did show up, not everyone had food to eat. Some people were going without food. And Paul names the issue here, and he says, when you do this, you are shaming the poor. You are humiliating those who have nothing. And so this meal, again, was reinforcing this divide between the rich and the poor. And so even though we don't know all the details of exactly what was going on here, we have enough information from Paul to piece together the details of what the issue was. The issue was, is that, uh, again, this divide between the rich and the poor. And in that society, in a Greco-Roman society, that was normal. There was normally a divide between the rich and the poor, and it was not apologized for. This was seen as normal behavior to have these different class distinctions and these divide. The problem was is that the, these Corinthian uh, believers, they brought that value in their society into the church. And when they did that, they brought that value, and they did not allow that value to pass through the lens, through the grid of the cross. And when we do that, we are in grave danger in the church. Because as you allow that value to come into the church, if it does not go through the lens of the cross, then what you have is what was happening in the Corinthians. If you allow that value to go through the lens of the cross, you will see quickly that Christ died so that all of those dividing lines would fall away. That there would be no divisions in the church. That's why Paul writes in the book of Galatians that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Those divisions that may be natural in our society are to fall away in the church. We all stand on, as it's once said, level ground before the cross. And so these Corinthian believers were coming together, and they were, not only were the rich, apparently, eating and not waiting for others to show up, but they were not sharing the food that they had. They were not sharing it, and some people were not getting much food, and some people were not getting any food at all. And so Paul's practical correction to them, given in verse 34, he tells them, eat at home before you come to church. If you're that hungry, eat at home so that when you come and share this meal together, you're not going to be so hungry that you're going to be tempted to eat all the food and not have stuff to share with others who don't have much or others who have nothing to bring to the meal. So eat at home, Paul says, so that everyone will have some food to eat. Now, it's with that context in mind 
that I want to reread to you verses 27 to 29. Therefore, Paul says, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. So when I was growing up in church, and we would have the Lord's Supper together, these verses were often read, and we were often reminded of these verses together. But rarely were the verses that I just discussed with you read. And so as a result, I grew up with this uh, very keen sense that I was to examine myself, but I didn't have a real good sense of why or what the examination was to be about. I didn't have a good uh, sense of what the context of Paul's words were that we just talked about. And so as a result, for me, the examination of myself became this deep introspection into my own personal life. That is to say, if there was any unconfessed sin in my heart, that I was to confess that to God. I was to search my soul, as it were, and confess my sins to God because I did not want to come to the table in an unworthy manner and eat and drink in an unworthy manner and so invite God's judgment on myself. And we're going to find out in a moment that that's not really Paul's primary concern here. That Paul was not calling people for this deep introspection of ourselves to make sure that we had sorted out all of our ethical, personal sins, that we've got things right before God, before we come to the table, because if we don't do that, if we don't have that all sorted out in our life, then we're really not worthy to come to the table, because we are in danger of God's judgment. That's not the point of what Paul is saying. And by the way, who of us are actually worthy to come to this table on our own? I mean, even if we have sorted out our sins from the past week, how many of us didn't just sin in the parking lot as we came into church this morning? or on the drive to church. The reality is is that none of us are actually worthy to come to this table on our own, even if we think we have it all sorted out and squared away with God. We don't come to this table based on our own worthiness or our own work. We come to this table based solely on Christ's worthiness and Christ's work for us. Now, I want to say to us that the call to examine our hearts uh, personally, that is, If there is unconfessed sin in your life, it is a good idea to confess that to God, to prepare our hearts in that way for the Lord's Supper. That is a good thing. But in context of what Paul is talking about, that's not his primary concern. When Paul was talking about eating and drinking in an unworthy manner, friends, he was talking about how the Corinthians were actually eating the meal, how they were actually conducting the meal together. That is, that the way they were conducting the meal together was causing disunity and hurt and humiliation in the church. And so Paul says, don't do that. Don't eat and drink in that manner that is causing these divisions in the church. And so Paul says to anyone who does not recognize the body of the Lord, when he says that, Paul is talking about recognizing people around you. Paul has just talked about the church being the body of Christ, the body of the Lord, in chapter 10, and he will talk about that in chapter 12. So Paul's call to us is as we come to the communion table that we are to recognize the body. That is, that we are to look around. That we are to be aware of issues of community. 
and relationships with one another. And when we do that, and Paul says, so examine yourself. Paul's primary calling in examining ourselves is this. He's calling us to ask ourselves questions like, are my actions in the church working towards love and unity and building others up around me? Or are my actions causing division and hurt in the church? This is the issue in Corinth, and I would say that this is the issue for us to consider here this morning. Yes, it's good to examine our own personal heart, but as we come to the table, we understand that eating and drinking in an unworthy manner is to eat and drink without considering the people around us and our relationships with the people around us. That's Paul's primary concern in this text. So, friends, as we eat this meal, we are to not only look heavenward to God, we are also to look around us at the people that we worship with, at the people that we are in community with. And we're to ask ourselves some questions. Now, we don't eat this meal in the same way that they ate this meal. So we don't face the exact same issues. That is to say that when we partake of this meal, we do it differently. We have little cubes of bread or little pieces of bread. So everybody generally gets food, okay? And no one goes ahead of others. We eat this meal all at once. So we don't face those same issues, okay? No one goes away hungry with relationship to this meal. However, there still remains a call for us to recognize the body of the Lord, that is, to recognize the church as we eat this meal. So, as we come to the table, it is good to consider issues of unity in the church, to consider issues of forgiveness in our relationships with one another, to consider issues of reconciliation. You know, Jesus once said, he said, if you are in the middle of worship and you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that you are out of relationship with someone, you remember that someone has something against you, first go and be reconciled to that person and then come back and continue with your worship. Other place in the New Testament, uh, Paul, I believe, says, he says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. So as we come to this table, we remember that we need to ask ourselves the question, And are we out of relationship with someone? And as we come to the table, we are to say to ourselves, you know what, there's something about this relationship perhaps that I need to do. It doesn't mean that you can't partake in communion if all the relationships in your life aren't squared away. But it is a reminder to us that we are to recognize one another and we are to recognize unity and relationships in the church. There's the issue of inclusion in the body of Christ. And this is the issue that was uh, the, the issue for Corinth and I believe the issue for us as well. In our context, the issue needs to be addressed in the general life of our church inclusion. Do we include one another? Do we welcome one another? I know this is an area that is challenging for me, an area that I need to grow at. We are a church of 200, 250 people who call this their church home. And I recognize you can't be friends with everyone. You can't include everyone in your life. You can't include everyone at your table. But we can take some steps to welcome people, to include people, to get to know people who we don't know, to involve people in our community, perhaps who are feeling a little bit left out. Those are issues that are relevant to us. Next Sunday, it's in your bulletin, next Sunday we are encouraging you to, in your own homes, to practice this, to invite someone into your home. Maybe you're going to have your own potluck with a group of people but to be intentional about inviting some people that normally you don't get together with. 
maybe you don't know very well and broaden your community here at Oliver Alliance Church. So we want to encourage you to do that. We want to encourage you to make plans this week to invite people into your home. Maybe you're going to go out to a restaurant. Maybe you get together with some friends and come up with some people that you don't know very well that you want to include in community. And we want to encourage you to do that. If you are part of our congregation, you will know that um, normally we celebrate communion on a monthly basis. That is the first Sunday of each month. And right after communion, we take a benevolent offering. And there is a reason that we do it on Communion Sunday. And the reason is because of this passage. It is wholly appropriate that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, right after we take a moment and we share what we have with others. That is, we share what we have to give to others in the community who have less or perhaps have great needs in their life. This is something that was being ignored in the Corinthian church, that the poor were being shamed and humiliated. They weren't being included and given food to eat. We have the opportunity this morning to share, to recognize that as we come to the table, that this table calls us to unity. And this table calls us to unity in very practical ways. And one of the practical ways that Jesus calls us to unity is to share what we have with others, especially those who have less than us. That's why we do the benevolent offering on Sunday, because this is what Paul is calling us to. So friends, as we come to the table this morning, I will give instructions in a moment. We come to the table recognizing that when Christ died on the cross, he did not just die on the cross for the forgiveness of our own personal sin. Christ died on the cross to make his church one, to bring unity to his church. So as we come to the table, I want us to understand and for us to be aware of what God might be saying to us in our lives about how we are operating in community with one another. God might be tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I want you to include this person. I want you to include these people. God might be tapping you on the shoulder and saying, you need to go and make an attempt to be reconciled to this person. doesn't matter how they respond. You need to go to them in love. Whatever it is that God is speaking to you about, maybe speaking to you about this morning, Would you say yes to him? Would you soften your heart? Would I soften my heart before God as we come to the table this morning? So in a moment, I'm going to call you to come forward to the table, but let me just give you instructions. A couple of weeks ago, we did it this way, and we're going to do it again this morning. I want to ask that when you are ready, that you form a line, and you can come down this row here and that row over there, and you can receive the bread. If you just hold out your hands like this, someone will hand you a piece of bread. And then someone will hand you the cup. And then you can take your bread and your cup back to where you're sitting. You can go down the center aisles and just make your way back to where you're sitting. And I just want to encourage you. You you can take it on your own, but just spend a moment in quietness before God. Allow him to speak to you before you eat and drink. And 